Yeah, right. <laughs> that was the biggest kicker for me at the time to say, no, nah, I'm done. I'm not going to continue my military career. I don't it's want demanding. to. Because I extended my second tour. I actually extended. Yeah. Um, because my, my four-year contract was up. And you don't even have kids in you, so we're like. Two, was it? Three months into the deployment, um, some of the guys that I came in with. And this is the thing about the regular army. I had one dude, Coleman, if you ever listen to this, shout out to you. He and I were in the same basic training um, company. He was in first platoon. I was in second platoon because of the okay. alphabet. He was yeah. a C. I was a D. So oh, I ended up in yeah. second platoon. Yeah. He was in first platoon. <laughs> I was in second platoon as well. <laughs> I did. Not only did I go through basic training with him, we went to the same unit, to the same battalion, the same company, the same platoon. And I've heard his name. I've heard you mention For before. our entire career, I spent yeah. with him my entire fucking career. Another guy was Swindle. Eric I've heard his name as well. Shout out to Eric. But entire career. That doesn't happen, I feel like, anymore. And the reason why I feel like it doesn't happen anymore is because of the surge and because of the way things were run. So when I became an NCO, technically, by the book, when you become an E5, you get the fuck out of wherever you are. Mm -hmm. You go to another company. You go to another brigade. You go to another oh, unit. Yeah. Yep. Because yes. you can't yes. run. You cannot be a leader for people who they, are just They see it as conflict of interest, yes. And I don't blame them. Yeah. At the time, not true. You're an E5. Well, because they... You better go fuck up your homies because they fucked up Yeah, yesterday. well, like you said, the surge. So you, you just... It's a little bit of just dealing with what, what you're, you're... It's a shit sandwich. And you just kind of got to be like, look, we can't even... We need all hands on deck and, and you can't go somewhere else now. You just have to... For me, though... You just have to... Becoming an E5 and being in charge of my buddies was the singular strongest leadership experience or course i've ever had to i believe go that through. i was about to say i don't think you i don't I, there might have been challenges but i don't think you struggle i'm sure you didn't like fail or it was hard know, as fuck it, it no matter who it you are it's gonna be as fuck. no matter who you are it's gonna be but if you're the right type of person to draw lines around we're here for this and also when you're off you can have a good time. It's you have. It's a rare type of person that could be a leader, especially in a combat platoon. Like we're talking about dangerous stuff that you're training for. It might. You might not even find. Maybe. May you might be one of the few people that could that could be that leader and also balance that you were buddies with them before. And that is so tremendously difficult. That that might be impossible. But if anybody could. I was fortunate <laughs> enough that two of my buddies weren't very far behind me in becoming NCOs, which so made it easier. Smoother, yeah. And and on top of that, we had gotten a bunch of new... So that six-week period, we had gotten like 25 new or 30 new privates. Oh, that helps it. But, but they you see have to you in the leadership here. sense yes, right they, away. So they right. already see yeah. me as an NCO. Right. My buddies, who are specialists, E4 Mafia, That's shout out to those people. Tough. Don't look at you in that way because you're the same dude that I was doing push-ups with a couple of weeks ago. You're the same dude that I went through basic training that's with. Why if you wanna, with. That's why if you want to make this work, your approach to that leadership can't just be the typical military, I'm going to yell and not think and consider and I'm just going to yell. Like That's not going to work in that scenario at all. That's not going to – you have to be someone who engages and, and is has depth to their leadership and can – manage complex situations you can't just be this linear Dah! it's not gonna make it work not gonna make it work it's gonna be real bad actually <laughs> you, th that person's gonna go from that might be best friends with someone and then once they make them the leadership depending on which kool-aid they drink or depending on if they drink the kool-aid or if they stay in their old mindset that person could immediately be not your friend yeah immediately yep it's tough <laughs> it's tough Especially if they drink the Kool-Aid. You know what I mean by that? Like if they're just like, well, I, Army's my career. And I'm not hating on that. 
I shouldn't shouldn't say it like that, but um, yeah, they'll be like, well, this is my career, and like you're just a friend, which not wrong necessarily. Yeah, but it's complicated. <laughs> a lot of people don't have the wherewithal to turn that switch on appropriately, no. though. You know, especially with your homies, especially with all the guys that you were with for every single shitty. I agree. Here's the thing, too. Like with Coleman, for example, every shitty experience I've ever had in the army, that dude was right there next to me. Right. He knows exactly how I was feeling. So I would complain to him like, fuck this NCO, fuck that NCO. Right. LT has no idea what he's doing. He's a piece of shit. And then the next day you got to turn around and be like, oh, now I'm the NCO. Especially when you, especially when you don't agree with orders, but you just have to deliver orders, especially. Because you were complaining about things that you're probably well within your rights to complain about. And then the next day, because you are leadership and you don't get to make decisions, everybody above you does, you have to deliver the same thing. Which is a the funny thing. thing to point out because most people think that you get into leadership and now you're making no. direction. No. You're the one I, making I never those choices. <laughs> I never, see, I think that's how I was able to not hate people. Like my drill sergeants, I never hated. There was one that there was one that everybody like hated. Like I didn't care. Were, were they nicer to me than everybody else? That's why. No, I just didn't care. I, I had we. Had I, I remember sergeant. that it's their job. I, I don't. Right. I don't take it personally. And a lot of people they just have such a hard time like separating that. It's. I, I remember at the so at the end of for us when we went through basic training, there was like a check the box of the best drill sergeant, the worst drill sergeant, et cetera. Oh, et cetera. yeah, we didn't have that. So, well, because what they did is the commander and the first sergeant would take that and they would write the NCOERs for these drill sergeants for each cycle. I think that's the right thing to do. So if you got written down taken... as a bad drill sergeant for whatever reason, that might reflect negatively on your NCOER. It might. For few, it might. Right. It might. Right. This one dude, I think his name was Drill Sergeant Delgado, and I think I remember him being National Guard. And I remember him coming out, and I think we were his last cycle. Oh, these National Guard. So we were, this was, well, you got to remember, everybody that was worthwhile was deployed. Right. Because everybody was going to, again, surge. So you're getting National Guard guys, you're not getting regular Army guys. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I saw that, so that's that's fair. He, I remember, ripped out, this was the last day, you're in final formation, your class A's, you're ready to go, you got your units, you got your orders to go to your next unit, I'm going home for two weeks, F this place, it's over. over. right. Right. There's no more he brain fucking. Storming <laughs> out of the barracks. Cussing like crazy because for like the third time in a row, he was voted worst drill sergeant. Oh, that's his own fault. And he slammed his... <laughs> that's his own fault. He slammed his lid on the ground and stomped the shit out of his drill sergeant hat and just left. That's when... So that actually would scare me more than just the typical drill sergeant because he means it. That's not his job. He actually is upset. And is like so when they're just drill sergeanting, who cares? That's their job, right? But when they're actually like, that makes me go, whoa! That guy's like out. That guy's legitimately upset. Like he's outside of the zone <laughs> of I'm playing a role. Yeah, he's well. Look in the mirror. Going. One look of the things the I want to ask oh, sorry, you about no. is when you were deployed. Yeah. I know that obviously everybody has a different experience when they're deployed. Uh-oh. Obviously, and here's the other the theme thing of the that pot I, is different experiences. Go well, ahead. sure. But <laughs> no, I, I think fine. what's unique <laughs> about, and, and a lot of people don't understand is there's this weird area, gray area for deployments. And what I mean by that is, is just because you're a 35 golf doesn't mean you haven't been shot at. Doesn't mean you haven't been blown up. That's true. If you are an 11 Bravo, it also doesn't mean that that's you, true. Yeah, you've been in those situations. There's tendencies, but yeah. Because you can be an 11 Bravo, be the biggest bag of garbage. Never even deploy. Maybe never even deploy. Well, or if you would have to deploy, but you would be in the talk. 
Right. Yeah. You've never yep. done yep. anything. You've never you've never shook hands with an Iraqi other than to get your hair cut right. down at the market, you know, on Saturday or whatever. Right. So what I find interesting about that is when people hear like you've deployed, you've got a bunch of people who you know haven't done anything talk about things like they have done things. And you've got another subset of people who have never done anything who refuse to talk about anything because it's What do you mean severe... haven't done anything? And what do you mean like so what are these who are these people you're describing? Like, so Are you are you talking about person... the insufferable veteran who continues to talk about Yes. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought I'm, you were. I'm ta- I remember being I remember <laughs> having a conversation with somebody and they didn't know I was also a veteran and I'm sitting with That's this happened one to me guy. a lot. I'm sitting with two guys, two guys. One of them I know, it's it's my wife's cousin's husband. Great dude. Sure. Never served, but he's just awesome dude. Sure. He's sitting there with me. We're having a conversation with this third guy who literally at one point said, you should thank me for your freedom because of everything I've done. And I turned around and I was like... Too self-serving guy. Do you know what I said? I Too said, no, I don't owe you a fucking thing. Nobody does. Because you volunteered. Right. Remember, did you tell him that you had served yet? Cert, not at that point. Ooh, I love it. Because he's like, he's like, and how then he got upset. dare yeah, this person? He's like, <gasps> what have did you it? done? What do you know? <laughs> you don't, you don't know what I've done. And that's when you're that's like, oh, job. actually, right? I did serve. I did do my two deployments. And yeah, have, guess what? I volunteered. I just have something called humility. <laughs> you may want to drink a little bit of that into you, but so your experience, your first deployment, yeah. both of them were to, to Afghanistan. Yes, the first one was. Are, were they in the same place? No. So okay. the first one was in northern Afghanistan, and this is going to be. I'm loving this conversation. So this is so my my two my two deployments were extreme. Well, mostly because we should have done this before. Anyways, so my right. two my two deployments, but you don't think of it until no. it's almost like when you when you, again. And I love that point you brought up earlier when you monologue and you realize you can learn even from just it's true. Anyways, so my two deployments very different. Even even for already saying that my job was different than the infantry guys in my unit. My two deployments are even still different than what other people in my job in my unit did. So the first one was a typical 35 golf, 12 Yankee deployment for Rangers. You, you, I deployed with 1st Battalion. I deployed with one of their... Um, <clears throat> how did they split it up? So they, they, they had... Um, they had uh, action... They had different... Um, what am I... Wow. I get so far away and I can't remember the terms anymore. Well, the strike forces. They had different strike forces throughout the whole country, right? 2013, right? The first one's 13, end of 13 to early 14, okay. yes. So they're, they're strike forces throughout the whole country. And and this is why I brought this up. I can't remember if they split it. I don't know how they split it inside the battalions. So I was with one of the strike forces inside of 1st Battalion. I don't know if it was like a company or a I don't know. But we're, I'm with a strike force. Um, and my first one was a very typical deployment where... I sat in the fob and would pull up imagery and build maps for targets we had that they were going to go out on. Okay. That's it. Basically it. So we had a whole uh, jock, uh, skiff, a skiff inside of, of, of our jock. and um, Jock Joint Operations Command? Yes. Or Joint Operations Center? Yes. Yep. No, what's Joint Operations Center, yeah. Skiff is a secure, secure compartmentalized intelligence facility. <laughs> I think. Okay. okay. Sometimes you see in the news, uh, con- Congress um, has like a skiff in the basement of Congress, which makes sense because they need to know sensitive things. What's and, going on? Right. Right. So, um, 
my first deployment with first bat, basically the Intel team finds, finds targets. Okay. Once the targets are confirmed, cause I want to make clear about what my job is in Intel. It's not to help find and confirm targets. My, that's not what my job was. The 35 Foxes, general source, 35. So they would use like human. Sigint, human. Sigint. I can't remember. I can't remember what the 30, 35H was human, but. So it's human intelligence, signal intelligence. Signals intelligence. So and then there's all get... source intelligence as well, where they, they would, they would pull everything together and build the picture. So they would build the packet. Correct. For the target. Exactly. Once the packet is built. We've got some evidence here, here, here in different ways. They would say, hey, Cyril, we're going to this courtyard because we believe a high value target is going to be at this location at this time. Imagery, we need to know what the hell is over there. Correct. Yep. That's when yep. you would explain. This so is- I would build maps and imagery every day, all day long, because, and you, sh- and you probably know this, most people probably know this intuitively. There's plenty of potential targets, not many that we actually action on. So we need to prepare for all these people that we could possibly actually. So that was my job. Just we've got seven new targets that we might have identified yesterday. Can you build maps and can you pull imagery for what we have identified as their bed down locations? You know, the maps are for the briefings mostly mm-hmm. and the imagery. So the guys would go in and I don't know if the technology is better now. This is seven years ago. They would have quarterback sleeves and they would have the imagery and I would label buildings and intersections. Gotcha. To have points of reference. So when you go in and there's squirters, whatever. Exactly. And the important thing about that is for somebody who, let's say you're a team leader, you're targeting action on building number 13. Yep. You know something's going on in building 15. Yep. You'd be able to call that in via the radio and eliminate or hopefully prevent friendly fire. Right. Make sure you identify where people are going. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Just do whatever. So that was tour one. You were building packets yes. for targets. Yeah, and it was or really helping to. Yeah, it was really that simple. It was not which is typically what you get in the military. This is your job. This is you do. Mm-hmm. Not difficult, not complex. You're a cog in the machine. That's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um second deployment mm-hmm. was different. So two thousand fourteen to fifteen. Fourteen, fifteen, okay. Um so between the first and the second deployment, um, my leadership liked me. They thought that I was sharp. Um, could I do as many bench presses as other people? No. But uh, they thought I was sharp. They thought I was good at like doing the job. So they had an opportunity. In between, after my first deployment, they were approached by, I don't know, I'm not privy to these things because I was a specialist, but they, they, you know, they were approached by our recon guys, Ranger recon guys. Delurs about adding an Intel person, embedding an Intel person in their deployments as well. So these guys would deploy plain clothed. They would deploy, like they could grow beards because they were they were recon guys, right? Like there was, it was part of their job. It was part of what they did. Um, so already off the bat, this is a way different deployment because I get to wear civilian clothes, right? And you can't, you can't explain, and you know this, it's difficult to explain the army is so rigid and structured. It's difficult to explain the kind of privilege to be able to show up to work for a couple of weeks before I deploy with a beard and civvies when everybody else is in uniforms. It was it was wild. <laughs> it signifies you <laughs> as what we would call a bamf. It signifies that you're 
Yeah, you're different, right? People know you're different you're when better. they see you. You're standing out as different. You're better. Typically, that's reason. what people think. Yes. Typically, not yeah. maybe not all the time, but yeah, typically that's yeah, right. But you, I'm sure that that week you showed up with that beard before your deployment, you were everybody's sh- asking questions all week. You were strutting. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Even subconsciously. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, even subconsciously, yeah. there's just a different feel to it. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. Yo. I can't even deny it. You got to own and, it. And, and people come up and, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and people come up and they're, and they're always asking, like, why are you, what's going on? Like, are you just, are you about to get thrown in army jail? Why are you dressed like this? Why do you have a beard, you know? <clears throat> so already that's way different. So I go on this deployment um, and I quickly learn, I'm trying to think. I was the second person to do this unique deployment. Someone went before me. I think it was Sergeant Landa. And this is for the recon? This is for the recon. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. someone had already done it before me. So there's a lot of time in between. Someone already did. So I was going to do the second one. So the first person that went was supposed to do a lot of setup, was supposed to do a lot of like, so he was a tabbed sergeant. And as you know, in the army, it's not necessarily about what you, who you are as a person that will earn your respect. People in my unit see your tab and they think you're Jesus. So he he was the only one with a tab that was kind of lower in our group. So he was the first one to get this unique deployment because gotcha. he has a tab. Right. You know what I'm it doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the actual job. This is how yeah. the army works. You just have the tab. You get to go well, first. Well, that's how the unit works. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Not necessarily the army with the tab, but yeah. Um, so he went first. He was supposed to do a lot of setup, and he did. He did a great job. But I quickly realized when I got there, um, again, and this is a theme. The, the the military is usually very rigid and static. I got there. I realized I was in a job that is so effing new. Nobody could have set this up in the first six. So first appointment's four months, typical. This one's six months because the, the recon guys do different stuff. Right? right. They're just a different level, different. So I get there and I realized that like this isn't nobody. I had nobody in charge of me. Okay. I, I could dress in civilian clothes. I had Wi-Fi. I had my own room. <laughs> We were separate on the fob. Did you have a gator? The rest of the fob is what you think an army fob is. Strict. Everyone's in uniform. People can get yelled at if they're lower ranking, especially me. But our part of the fob? belts? New. Yeah, yes. But our part of the fob? Nope. We had four wheelers and we could go out off the fob and four wheel in the mountains. I have pictures. I should, wherever you post this, I should (laughs) share them with you. But it was, it was, it was wild as hell. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, I was able to go on it. So, again, like I said, the first person that went on it was tabbed. So, that's why they picked him. I was able to go on it because, and that's why I brought this up in the beginning. Like, they did think that, like, we, we do two-week um, trainings in different cities um, when you're in the States as part of the regiment. And we did one in Nashville before the second deployment. Okay. And I did a really good job, right? For So, we they, we would, they would build these big, elaborate, like, trainings that we would all travel for two weeks and do. And as you can imagine, there's more of a spotlight when you're doing this big training everyone's traveling for, like, and you're in the room with all the command ship every day. It's not like a normal day in the army. Right. They see you. Right. So I did a really good job there. And and even if your leadership doesn't like you, which it, they did, but even if your leadership doesn't like you as much as, if you get someone else higher up that's like, you better fucking send Cyril, you're going to get sent. <laughs> right. So that's kind of what happened. They were just sure. like, he did a great job. We'd like him to. Yeah. The recon guys were there too, and they were like, he did a great job. We'd like him to. So, um... So yeah, because of that, I got to do that, and um, it's just so hard to you 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 build you build this, and I can already tell talking to you, you build this idea of what you think something is because you went through it. I went through 
the army. Yeah. But my experiences were, were extremely unique and I'm extremely thankful um, because we can, we can go on and talk about other things if you want yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. I'm extremely thankful of that fateful decision to make sure that we all got a weekend and I raised my hand to volunteer to go to the Ranger tryout. Right. Because if that doesn't happen... None of this happens. You go to it. Korea. None of it. I go to Korea. For sure. 100%. I and you're no different than any other 35 golf. Yes. Through their cycle. Yeah. Right. And you know what? To be honest, and, and now I'm thinking more about just me, and I'm no different post-Army either way. But okay. right, my right. experiences are so different now. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like I disagree with you. I bet you there would be a difference. <sighs> I feel like I'm disagreeing with myself as well. Just because even even subconsciously, like you, you can't understand what you might be like with different experience. So I think I, I, you're probably right. I, I think, and this yeah. is just me looking from the outside in. Obviously, Still thankful we're brothers, so I've yeah. seen you grow up. Yeah. To me, the type of guy you were before you joined, uh, for whatever oh, I'm reason, in this. not a ton of confidence. True. You were not a very True. confident person. No. No, and in, I don't know why. In, in, well, I know why. <laughs> to me, that was the biggest change that had yes. occurred. Because you went, and I think that because you raised your hand, because you got into an elite unit, because you were doing things that other people weren't, I think slowly yes. you realized, oh, wait a minute, I have you, a certain capability. Yeah, you, well, you build that confidence when there's a positive feedback off Right. Yeah. And, and I yeah. think that's what really did a lot for you. I agree. And that's my next question. And that is, really is what Really quick else? before you ask this. Okay. Good question to ask is, would that have happened anyways just growing up? Or did the army, you know, but go ahead. Go ahead with your I, question. I don't know. If you can't know the me, answer. You can't. No, 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 you can't. I'm just But if I can speculate, I think it accelerated. I agree. That. I, I think that's factual. I just, okay. how much? True. I agree. I agree. But the next question is, Could what, have been other, Sorry. <laughs> what other <laughs> positive aspects or good things do you feel like you took from being in the service, doing what you did, spending your time there? Because you did three and a half years, four years? I can't remember. I got Total? it. Though, one of the biggest. Yeah. So... Three and a half or four? Three and three quarters. Three and a half. We can round up. Yeah, it was stupid. Four. It was like a weird, yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh no, three and a half. Because April to September. Because I got out early. Remember, I got out early for school. Oh, I okay. applied for it and got it, which never happened. No, it doesn't. And the only reason it happened was it had a lot to do with that second deployment and who I was. Gotcha. And they let it go. But yeah, anyways. Um, what were you saying? Oh, yeah. I think um, the biggest thing... That, that I have taken away. There's tons of things. We could do this for hours. But one of the biggest things for me is there is a beautiful thing that happens when you are forced to do things sometimes, especially when you're forced to go through things with other people. There's something that you build that can't be replicated unless you go through some forced garbage with people, right? Like there's when life is easy, when there's no challenges, your mindset and who you are is so, your disposition towards other people can be so different as opposed to someone finally like basically spitting you in your face and say, no, buck up and get through this even though you don't want to. And when you do that, especially when you do that with other people, very difficult to understand how different the bonds are there as opposed to the civilian world. Like it's just so different. Um, I, I miss every day. And, and I I beat myself up too. I'm not saying other people suck. I'm, I'm included in that. I, I miss every day being forced to do that because there's so many times now. And it will continue because we're human beings. Mm -hmm. I don't beat myself up too much. But it will continue where I should be do I should be doing something where I'm not. Or I should be more productive and I'm not. And like I just – there's a part of me that does miss that like get it done. 
Like, we don't care. Like, and you do it together with people. And, and I think there, that a lot of veterans, when they get out, because I struggle with it a little bit, not that bad, but it's, 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 it's so different to be in the working world here as opposed to the military and how you build bonds and how people lead, right? And how people interact. And it's just a challenge. It's a challenge. But, but for me, that helped me because you don't know what you can achieve until you truly have to go through something garbage that you didn't want to go through. But the thing is, unless you have that thing in your life that forces you to do it, it's very t- I don't blame people. It's very tough to get to that. Yeah. That state. Well, it's kind of um, like earlier when I was talking about the push-ups. You realize that there's another yes, exactly. ceiling. Exactly. This isn't. But you way. need that thing that pushes you to that right. realization. You can't get there. You truly can't just will yourself there. You have to have. It's unique to have that situation. To, to, to not even have the choice to leave is unique to feel. And like if you always have the choice, then it's just different. So, But, I, but again, I, I think a lot of people struggle with that transition. I think that's where a lot of struggle comes from with yeah. veterans, and I had that a little bit. Um, but but for me personally, that did a lot of good for me. It actually made me, again, to your point, more confident, and it made me more capable. It made me more capable. Uh, it, it made me more comforting. It, it comforted me. It comforted me knowing who I because I thought I was a person who couldn't achieve that much. I think that's where some of the lack of confidence comes yeah. from, right? You don't because I never pushed myself. And also, when you don't push yourself, it's kind of a cop out. But like, you don't even know you can. And when you you get pushed there, it's a good feeling for me to know, like, oh, like hell yeah, yo. <laughs> well, it <laughs> like, changes you know? your expectations. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Because you recalibrate them. Because you're like, holy shit, I did that. Yeah. And there's a lot of things I went through, more so with the military than anything else by far. I'm just like, whoa, I totally went through SEER school. Holy shit. Yeah. No way. Like, yeah. So that's a big thing that – what about you? Do you have any uh, – Man, I think leadership is the biggest thing that yeah. I learned. Oh, that's second. huge – you know, how to truly be a leader. I watched – Because there's a lot that are bad, and if you can learn from that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, that's a big one. But there's a lot that are good. Yeah. And they're good in their own way. And I think what's unique about many people, and I, I try to live my life in, in a similar type of fashion, and that is, is if I see something that I like from someone, whether it be leadership, whether it be whatever it might be, I want to take that piece of them, right? Because I don't want the yeah. whole thing. No, no, no. Yeah. Right? But what I want to do is this <clears throat> guy understands how to be relatable, how to... Uh, get down to people's level so that he can understand the problem they're having and then actually fix it. Or, yeah. or this is something that, that I had an NCO do, Sergeant Gonzalez. He wouldn't fix the problem for you. He would ask you questions so that you, you got to your own conclusion. You get to your own conclusion so you <laughs> yeah. can figure out what you need to do. Not me. The smart guy. He's like, nah, I'm a fucking grown ass man. I got my own kids and shit. Yeah, right. Have you thought about this though? And then he would just walk away and you're like, oh. Right. Right. And it would make things click. And, and, the other thing from that's someone who has a lot of wisdom and dispels it in small doses. Small doses. <laughs> it just knows where to kind of go ahead. Little little tap that way, right. and then all of a sudden, your whole Uh-oh. life is mapped out yeah. for you. 